Welcome to Faith and Freedom. We hope to inform, inspire, and encourage you to stand up for faith and freedom as we discuss victories and challenges in the courts, in public policy, and in the culture. Faith and Freedom is brought to you by Liberty Council, a litigation, education, and policy organization. Join us now as we address the latest cultural issues across America and around the world. A federal court of appeals upholds the right of a religious school to make employment decisions consistent with its core religious beliefs. We're going to be talking about this on Faith and Freedom. I'm Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council. Joining me is Holly Mead. Well, Holly, this case involves a unanimous court of appeals decision, and it upheld the right of a religious school to make employment decisions consistent with core religious beliefs. It was a three-judge panel, and it ruled that the Roncalli High School, under the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, was entitled to what is called the ministerial exception and was within its right when it fired a guidance counselor who revealed that she was in a mm -hmm. same-sex marriage contrary to the school's biblical views on marriage. Yeah, what happened in 2019, the school chose not to renew her contract. I think she had been there about 14 years or so. She was the co-director of guidance, but she notified the school that she was now in a same-sex relationship, a union, and that, of course, is contrary to the school's biblical view on traditional marriage between one man and one woman. So she violated her contract knowingly, but then she went and sued because they fired her. And they uh, brought the case under the federal law, Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, saying that she was discriminated against on the basis of religion. And the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals dismissed the claims, stating that the ministerial exception allows religious institutions mm -hmm. to determine their own employment guidelines for employees whose jobs involve religious duties or ministry. In this particular case, she's a co-director of guidance, so she's doing guidance counseling to right. these students. Which is probably also a form of teaching in a way, because you're, you're teaching children you know, about their future, about different morals or things like that. So she's in a critical position there. Yes, and certainly uh, the kids come to you for right. guidance. They're wanting to get guidance from you, and then now all of a sudden um, they find out that you're in a same-sex marriage, but they're attending a Catholic school. The Catholic school's biblical position is that marriage is between one man and one woman, but now you've got this guidance counselor that's giving mm -hmm. me, the student, guidance. It can be very confusing for the student what is going on here because the school has one position, right. yet they're hiring somebody who's giving counsel to students something of a completely contrary position. Instead of just understanding that this was contrary to the biblical beliefs and practices of the school and the church, she ended up suing the school, claiming that she was terminated wrongfully under Title VII. The federal court wrote that employment discrimination suits are barred when the employer is a religious group and the employee is one of the group's ministers. This is what has long been called the ministerial exception, the court continued. And it said in its decision, as the Supreme Court explained, requiring a church to accept or retrain or retain an unwanted minister or punishing a church for failing to do so intrudes upon more than a mere employment decision. Such action interferes with the internal governance of the church, depriving the church of control over the selection of those who will personify its beliefs. So that's a very common sense decision. 
Oh, yeah. The court also continued, in determining whether an employee served a religious role, we show deference to the church. All arrows point one way. A religious school is entitled to limit its staff to people who will be role models by living the life prescribed by the faith. And, you know, I was just thinking about this, listening to you talking. This person in this position is a role model for these children who are attending a Catholic school, you know, that exudes a religious basis. So to have someone that is totally against that is also a bad role model for these children. Yeah, I think this is very critical because it's not just what the employee says verbally with their words, Mm -hmm. such as, you know, getting up and teaching or even being a guidance counselor. These uh, employees, uh, whether they're actually speaking information to individuals they're role models, mm-hmm. and they're role models, and so you, by their actions, actually speak, you know, louder than louder words. Than words. Right, right. And so consequently, uh, religious schools and churches, they ought to consider their policies to reflect that everyone uh, in the employment uh, not only uh, communicates a message that is core or personification of the beliefs of the church or religious organization, but they are role models, they're actions. And that means actions both on the job and off the job. So for example, obviously people have their own private time, but if you come to work and uh, you're not violating any practices of employment on the job, but then you leave work and you live uh, completely contrary to the employment and you're clearly identified in your community with your friends as being associated with that church or that organization, it sends a bad message. And so it's not just what you say, it's also what you do. Right. You're living out one thing and saying another, so what you're really living out is what you really believe, right? (laughs) That's right. So this ruling marks the second time in a year that this court has ruled in favor of the Roncalli High School. Also in 2018, the school declined to renew a different counselor's contract for the exact same reason. Uh, Notably, the Indiana Supreme Court in 2022 also ruled in favor of another school in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, upholding the school's decision to terminate a teacher for violating his employment agreement by failing to uphold the school's religious teaching on same-sex marriage. So it's pretty clear what the court is saying here. The ministerial exception is appropriate to enact for these religious schools that have this mission, particularly when it comes to marriage and a biblical view of marriage between one man and one woman. And these so-called counselors that try to defy this are going to lose. Well, and the ministerial exception really comes that relates to the First Amendment free exercise of religion, but also to the Establishment Clause. But the free exercise of religion and the Establishment Clause together really provide the churches with autonomy to carry out their mission and operate internally consistent with their religious mission and conviction. If the government from the outside imposed laws that ultimately required people to be hired, retained, not terminated, uh, that are contrary to that religious mission, it would really destroy that church or religious organization. Mm -hmm. Moreover, courts are not in a position to second-guess the religious doctrine. They're not supposed to be addressing the religious doctrine. Now, from a legal standpoint, there is another issue that's ongoing. There's two different areas of this uh, controversy or this legal issue. Number one, How broad is the ministerial exception? 
who does it cover? Clearly it covers pastors and teachers, and it covers obviously guidance counselors, anybody who is a vehicle or mouthpiece for that ministry. But does it go all the way down to receptionist, to the janitor, to the greeter? You know, I think there's a good argument that it does because of what we've been talking mm-hmm. about, that it's not just words, it's also conduct, it's activity, it's your personification of that ministry, and everyone has to reflect the ministry. So, for example, go over to uh, Epcot for just as an example. Epcot or those kinds of organization, uh, they have a bona fide occupational requirement exception. So that's how in Epcot those entities that are, say, the German pavilion or the French mm-hmm. pavilion, they can hire people that are German or French, and then they all dress like the German attire or the French attire, and they have German food and French food and those kinds of things. So it's very consistent. They're putting together a theme for that particular organization, that particular restaurant, that particular presentation. That's called a bona fide occupational requirement exception. That's a Mm -hmm. requirement of employment that you're from Germany, you are German, you You are French. You speak the language. You speak the language. Uh, You wear the garb. Um, Everything is consistent with that. Uh, the same kind of thing mm-hmm. is true within the context of your faith. You're saying like in this situation in a school, a receptionist or a janitor, they're going to speak the language, so to speak. They're going to believe in Jesus. They're going to speak that Christian faith when they interact with the students because that's what they believe. So I think it's very, very similar to what this court said, that uh, in determining whether an employee served a religious role, we show deference to the church. And I think mm-hmm. that's true. It needs to be that way. The other thing that is an issue for litigation is when someone files suit should there be an automatic bar by raising this ministerial exception? I think there should be. Rather than dragging the church or the religious organization through a lot of litigation and then finally deciding the ministerial exception, I think it needs to be done early on rather than later on because it is unfair to the church to have to defend something that it never had to defend in the first place because it's protected by the ministerial exception. For more information on this or any other issue regarding the sanctity of human life, religious freedom, God's design for marriage and family, go to Liberty Council's website, lc.org. That's lc.org. You've been listening to Faith and Freedom, brought to you by Liberty Council. We hope that we have motivated you to stand up for your faith. Get informed and get involved today. Visit Liberty Council's website at lc.org, where you can obtain email alerts and other information to keep you informed and involved. The website again, lc.org.